Welcome to the Oxygen Advantage podcast with your host, Oxygen Advantage founder, Patrick McKeown. With the Oxygen Advantage podcast, we aim to show how functional breathing is an essential part of a healthy and well-balanced lifestyle. Each episode, we meet experts in their field from around the world and talk about their lives, their experiences, and how they learned the importance of breathing. Join us and get inspired. Get the Oxygen Advantage. Breathing and movement, and welcome, great cause. So you're coming in from London. Yeah, coming in from uh, yeah North London. I'm based in North London, where we did actually, I think the first ever masterclass, didn't we? Do you remember when you came over? What what was it? Was it 2016 when we did that first one? And you when did the book come out? 2016. Yeah, the book, the book came out in 2015, and we kind of lied low for a while. I think I was taking a rest, but uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I think it was. It was the first training was was London, yeah, in twenty sixteen, and then you came to Galway as well. That's right. So oh. the first, then you dragged me over for the first instructor training with um, with uh, Leo, who's still working, Jenny, mm. uh, Tom. Obviously, Tom had been working uh, a lot with you. So yeah, what I think is brilliant is well, just having that opportunity to have been with with you from the start of the oxygen advantage and seeing how it's developed since then. Yeah, it's, it's great. It's going in a nice direction. It's what we I, like. I never thought uh, breathing is, is a totally different baby than it was back then. And that's only about eight years ago. Yeah. Do you, do you notice that in terms of, so you, you were at say the health optimization summit, you were talking with lots of people, you're talking, talking with people all the time. How do you see it with breathing? Do you feel that there's a greater awareness there? What are people looking to get out of it? What do you think drives it? There's there's definitely a greater awareness. I think what is driving it is obviously there's more, more coaches out of there. I think obviously there's a lot of different techniques out of there. I, I think from my point of view, I'm lucky that I was sort of like involved in breath work without knowing it, if that makes sense. So I didn't come in and go, oh, I'm doing breath work. So if I'm thinking of my background from chi running, doing a personal training, training careers and being a personal trainer, just coincidentally, I was working with like uh, a guy who knew your work, knew the Bateco work, and he was teaching me as a, he was a running coach. So he was the first trainer I had who talked about nasal breathing so this was back when would this be back in like 2007 actually so ages and ages ago and and he's a cardiophysiotherapist at uh, one of the uh, London's leading hospitals so he was checking my breath rate um, as a runner and then obviously I got in I say obviously then I got involved with Danny Danny Dreyer Chi running Uh, a lot obviously as you know the emphasis of that is breathing easy relaxed running alignment and relaxation and I know that uh, Danny's mentioned you spoke to Danny didn't you in the in the oxygen advantage book so that's how I then got well that's how we met through through Danny so uh, it's then there wasn't really it wasn't even breath work was it because it was Wim Hof around then I'm not sure but there was very little out out there about 2012, um, I think is when the Wim Hof method came to the scene. I might be a bit wrong there, but yeah, so it's going back. That was really interesting, though, that the cardiac thoracic was it physio understanding about, yeah. or at least um, talking about breathing through the nose during physical exercise. Like, Yeah, definitely. He's a marathon runner and he'd done, he hadn't trained with you. He knew of you through Bateco. So he was teaching me the Bateco method or, mm. or giving me the idea of the Bateco method um, as, as as he was training as a runner. So he works at, or he did work at one of the London's leading hospitals and he was doing prehab and rehab from people who'd had heart and lung operations. So he obviously knew all his biochemistry. <laughs> Hopefully he knew all his biochemistry and all about the breath rate and, and not over breathing and the benefits of of nasal breathing in exercise so that was that was yeah that was that was how I sort of like fell into it um and then obviously with Danny about breathing easy when you're running and then meeting you and going all right now this is really really adding to what I've already been doing adding more science adding more um 
uh, awareness of of what we're doing and how it's how it's all working. So that that's and, and what was interesting. You mentioned the health optimization summit. What was interesting there is we were promoting our retreats. We do the oxygen advantage instructor training as a retreat. And it, people were just going, no, it's really nice that we're just talking about basics. It's like, come back to come back to the basics, come back to the simple stuff first. Uh, it's not to say don't go and do other stuff, but it's like really focus on the simple stuff because it's obviously the simple, it's op, op, usually the simple stuff that is missing, like breathe through the nose. Do you know what I mean? There's little things like the foundation of, of OA, nasal breathing where possible, where as much as possible, breathe through the nose. And that, is just missed in a lot of breath work <laughs> and in life it's just missed i remember doing my um personal training course we never talked about breath work and i did i didn't do a degree i did diploma but diploma to the highest level in the uk nothing on breath work i did a, a, a specialist specialism in lower back pain nothing on breath work and then when you start to look at how obviously lower back pain, breath work, all, all of the breathing is affected by that. It's like, yeah, there's a real missing link here because, and it's not that I don't think that people are deliberately, oh, we, we won't talk about breath work. It's just that it's it's missed out. It's, it's not focused on, uh, the, it's not seen as, as sort of like essential to understand the basics of biochemistry and biomechanics. Yeah, it's, I think it's amazing that I think it's the perception of breathing training and um, there's a very poor perception out there. I don't think people actually realize the full potential of it. If they did, they would be taking it on board. Um, and, you know, when people talk about pillars of health and you're talking about food and physical exercise and sleep, of course, gets a lot of traction now and breathing is getting a lot of traction. And as well as grades coming back as well, I talk them into my head people who are doing breathing. So say, for example, if you have to do a set set of exercise in the morning and then you have to do your physical exercise and then there's a requirement you're doing your meditation, there's a lot of stuff for people to do. Yeah. But our initial conversation was that we were talking about how do you just bring this into your way of life? It's really, it's a way of life. Um, so you now work with Qigong, I don't know a whole lot about Qigong, so can you give us a little bit of background? And in terms of bringing breathing, the bigger picture, bringing breathing into no matter what you do, yes, yeah. to make it accessible for people. Yeah, so just a little, little bit of basics on the on the Qigong that I'm I'm working with. So, firstly, what I want to say is, I'm that there's no way I'm a master or anything like that, and that there's going to be plenty more people out there watching this or listening to this who have got a lot more experience in in Qigong than I have. But what really resonated with me is one coming from the background of qi running, which was the basics of energy efficiency, uh, moving with the least amount of effort, breathing with the least amount of effort, and some very, very simple focuses, uh, sort of like Qigong focuses. That really encouraged me to then explore a little bit deeper into Qigong. So it's basically based on an ancient Chinese practice, based on Chinese medicine. There's loads and loads of different forms. Qi means energy. And like you mentioned there, it's like we think of like, right, we say energy. So we got to get food and exercise and we think of all of those things as energy. But actually, where's, where's the first source of energy is breathing in. Um, so energy breathing in oxygen. Gong means uh, some people would say work or cultivation. I quite like the, the idea of cultivation or a skill. So if you think about energy, energy cultivation, and then tie that to oxygen advantage. What is energy cultivation? Is breathing in the oxygen, and how do we optimize that oxygen that we breathe in into every single cell in the body? It's breathing light. It's breathing slow. It's breathing deep. So it's that foundation breathing through the nose. What is lovely again about qigong is you're then bringing movement with it, um, and the breath guides the movement in, in a very simplistic way to to approach it. And what I find is good about this is that quite often 
and, and I'm sure you you know this as well when you're working with people, if you just focus on the breath, a lot of people get stressed out focusing on the breath. And if so, oh, no, I've had a few people who are literally like, oh, have, notice the breath, notice the slightly cooler air coming in through the nose, and they're like, oh, my God, I can't do it, because they're not used to, to tuning in. There's no connection. There's, there's no awareness. There's no body awareness. So actually, that can be a big challenge for, for a lot of people. So actually, if you take away the focus from the breath and put it into a really simple movement that anybody can do, um, that's a nice way of teaching breathing, but without focusing a lot of attention uh, on the breath. Um, and that, I think, is is good. The other thing is it's, it's movement, because again, like you say there about bringing breathing into how do we incorporate, how do we get encourage people to notice breathing practice as like part of your everyday not about you have to sit for 20 minutes in the morning and do uh, a breathing practice which is great if you can um how do you bring that into your everyday practice and that's another thing about doing some simple movement some of it is like stretching you know what i mean it's like oh nice big wake up yawn or something like that um and if you do one or two of that and a little bit of movement a little bit of twisting it can make uh, a big difference just to get people engaged, engaged with it. I suppose the other thing is, if you understand about breathing during movement, you can set up the right factors in terms of increasing oxygen delivery to the tissues, improving your blood circulation, opening up the airways, but also recovery post movement. Um. And it's not, of course, just Qigong, but it's any movement. And yeah. I often think about the yoga students. They go into a yoga class and they're in there with, with their class. And um, there's very little instruction on whether, with, with some instructors, whether to breathe in through the nose, out through the nose, etc. Whether to breathe light, that's often overlooked. You know, really softening and breathing less mm -hmm. air to the point of air hunger to help improve blood flow and oxygen delivery. Oftentimes it's the contrary. What's mm. the tradition in Qigong? If, if you were to peel away the ears, how, how was breathing? Did it get much attention? And if so, what was taught? So how I've learned it, and, and obviously I've brought in what I've learned from you and from the Oxygen Advantage and from, from, my, uh, from the other breath coaches, is you are breathing light. So say for I'm going to really simple example of just doing a simple movement of something like that. I'm not going, I'm not doing big, huffy, puffy breaths. I'm just doing soft, easy, light breath in, silent, quiet breath out. I'm not even thinking about the breath. And what is also happening is the breath is slowing. And then I'm also, oh, look, I'm creating space here and I'm expanding the rib cage so I can I can breathe deep without forcing the breath down there. So that's a really simple movement that anybody can do. So it's, if you go to a yoga class, not knocking yoga or anything, and you get people doing trees and twisting and oh, a lot of people go to yoga thinking it's like a stretch session. Um, which is great, uh, which in some cases it is, but it's stretch and strength. What I love about the very, very, it's like the, the Qigong is the very, very simple movements to start with where you can just do stuff very, very easily. And because the breath is guiding the movement, if you get to the point where you're holding the breath because you've got pain in your shoulder, you stop. So for, for that for, for that particular movement. So the breath is going, hang on a minute, you've got pain in your shoulder. I need to just to, to back off. So you're not forcing your body in any any particular position. So you're breathing light, slow and deep in every single, every single movement that you do in 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 sort of like the slow movements. There are elements of the Qigong where you do a cleansing and clearing breath. But it's like it's like the OA. It's like when we're doing sort of like recovery breaths. If you've got to that point where you just need to let go and have that good breath out through the mouth of that cleansing and clearing, getting rid of the excess CO2, the stale energy or whatever, where we need to occasionally. But you wouldn't do lots of that. You would do some cleansing and clearing and then you'd bring it back to light, soft, 
down-regulating, parasympathetic, healing, processy type type breathing. So it it ties in beautifully with how with the principles of of oxygen advantage. It seems quite nice. It it's it's a technique that would be accessible for for everybody. It's not something that's probably in the Western world we want to be seen to be sprinting and to be almost pushing ourselves to the point of massive intensity. But this is dialing it right down. What sort of people do it? Your clients, for example. So it's 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 a good point you make there about dialing it down. But there's still a lot of power in it. There's still a lot of strength in it because, as you as you know, there's two ways to intensify a movement. One is to speed it up, and the other is to slow it down. So actually, you do a few of these, and you get people going, "Oh, Jesus, my shoulders!" <laughs> so you feel as if you are doing work. So again, it's it's one of those sort of like it may it may be perceived as easy or soft exercise and it and it isn't there is a real power and there's a real strength to to standing and balancing so there's a lot of isometric contraction in it some of the standing postures um you're doing isometric contraction which is I would literally read an article today talking about isometric contract contraction is now great for blood pressure etc etc there's a lot of that in in the standing postures and Anybody, uh, as you say, client point of view, anybody finds benefits on it, and and that's that's genuine. And I've got I'm I'm in a privileged position of working with so many skilled and talented people through doing the oxygen advantage instructor training. So I'm working with Olympic athletes, strength and conditioning coaches, nutritionalists, voice coaches. And they all, without question, come back and love the Qigong. And I'm not just saying that. It's like, mm. because for an Olympic athlete, it's giving them that little damn regulation. It's how can I how can I calm the nervous system? There's, there's one standing posture, which is called bamboo in the wind, where you literally just stand there with your feet together and your eyes closed. And you breathe easy through the nose. And you're almost like let your body find its natural balance, just as we let the breath find the natural balance. So, as, as you say, it, it works for anybody. Anybody can do it. Eighty-year-olds can sit and do simple movements. So you make the movement smaller. And I suppose the other thing is, it's a meditation per se as well, because you're not doing it with just your head. You're dispersing your attention throughout the body. So even in, in that last one there, that bamboo movement, when you stand there, where is your attention? Do you deliberately disperse it throughout the body or where does your attention go? So uh, what the, the the idea behind the movements is there's always an intention behind a movement. So, for example, it, the, the term bamboo in the wind suggests the bamboo behind oh. you is like, it's what what I focus on there is you're thinking about the strength of the bamboo, but the, also then the flexibility of that bamboo, because it's actually the combination of strength and flexibility that builds resilience. So you can you can take that if I'm coaching that sometimes you'll just highlight those points. So you just think about how if you allow your body to find its natural balance, you're allowing yourself to then heal, thrive, however you want to think about it. Um, th this sim simple movement is called pulling down the heavens or pulling down the sky. So we're not just doing it on lifting weights. You're going, yeah, I'm actually pulling down the energy or however you want to think it from the, the sky and I'm bringing it into, I'm bringing energy into my body. I'm oxygenating every single cell in my body. So that's how when I'm doing little movements like that, I will most probably use some of the OA terms where we talk about oxygenation, how with a little pause at the bottom of the breath, you can squeeze energy from the blood into the tissues because you're getting that little buildup of CO2. I mean, obviously, I won't go into detail like that as you're teaching a movement, but having that intention behind a little pause, a little squeeze of energy. Um, so it's always putting an intention behind uh, a movement which then ties into that you're in the moment. Whereas somebody sitting there thinking, I need to be in the moment and their head's all over the place. <laughs> so I think that's, for me, that's how how it works. Uh, how it works, just having that reason 
from movement. And again, with OA, it's like we have a re we understand why it's important to breathe through the nose. And if you understand and have an awareness of why that's important, that has an effect on how you respond to that. We understand why it's important to breathe through the nose and breathe light because we get the right balance of CO2 and O2. So once people understand the reason why we're doing stuff, the intention and and, and that sort of like awareness, they know why they're doing it makes a big difference, I find. And because our approach is typically like if, if we're just doing breathing training, we do theory, practice, theory, practice, always. Um, is that because, say, for example, if we do go to the only, I've only done yoga a few times. Um, Sinead has come around here. She hasn't been here in a while because I've been traveling. But, and, you know, she goes through the, the poses. But, be, um, but very often yoga is going straight into the poses. But if you're doing, say, Qigong, do you do a little bit of the theory? I know you're talking about intention, but do you do, say, 10, 15 minutes of the theory in terms of bringing together breathing with the movement so that people then, do you, is it that kind of style? I suppose it depends what what the purpose is, what, what I'm teaching, what the purpose, who is there, what, whether it's a group, whether it's a, a client. Um, I will... I, I like the experience. I think it's important to give people the experience so they can actually experience what you're doing. So I think what I will tend to do is um, if if I'm doing sort of like a, a class with just clients not doing an instructor training, I will most probably be doing stuff and just explaining a little bit of the theory because we, we don't want to overcomplicate things. Yeah, um, we don't want to be, I mean, I, I wouldn't talk about hypoxia and hypercapnic when we're doing yeah. a little bit of Qigong movement because it might not be the right time to mention that. But as I say, you can get that sense of just understanding about, you can you can highlight the importance of nasal breathing, uh, even just in the bamboo in the wind or even just in a breath awareness practice. So it's just chipping in. It's just giving them those little pointers uh, as you work through um, a particular practice. I'm, I'm doing some corporate stuff at the minute. So this is slightly different because you've got eight sessions. So we've got eight specific sessions. So we'll chat uh, and then we'll have a little. So the first session is awareness. And then I'll talk a little bit about biochemistry. We'll do some awareness. I'll give them a little bit more understanding about the biochemistry. That's session one. That's all we need in mm -hmm. session one. I don't mm -hmm. overcomplicate things. Session two, right, where's your diaphragm? Have a little prod, feel the ribs, feel your back. A little bit about biomechanics. Show them a graphic of, of the rib cage movement and then get them to do something like that and go, right, so now you can feel, oh, yeah, my ribs are expanding. My, 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 my spine is expanding. So you're talking about the biomechanics as you oh let's have a little twist what happens to your rib cage so i'll talk about that as you're doing a, a particular movement because then they can they they can feel it as you're delivering it session 3 will then be the rhythmic breathing the cadence breathing so why are we breathing six breaths per minute in this practice so give them a little bit of heart rate variability so you can see there's a little bit of little bit of taster of of the of the the theory but predominantly practice obviously it's different if you then do an instructor training because instructor training you're doing loads of theory but you've got to get them out and practice as well because it's as you know and and what i find about the way um particularly works well for me as a coach um and and the way i've found that works really well for clients is to do the retreat style so it's a little bit longer um, and and it puts people in a creative state as well. So you, you you're not just learning; you're you're being creative as you're learning. And I find that's that's a good way of having that space to absorb stuff more um, mentally as well. So yeah, I say, yeah. I say yes to answer your question. <laughs> and I suppose yeah, the retreat you're really being immersed in it. And the people who go to do shigan why do they go there because i'm still trying to get my head around a little bit what for what reasons would they do it for enjoyment or would they go there for a specific reason you know if you were a pt or if you were 
if you're going down to the gym, you're probably going down either to get stronger, to faster, fitter, to lose weight or something. Just a specific reason. For Qigong, what's the reason, typically? That's a very good question. So I'm thinking from a from a point of view of, of coaching Qigong, I don't think I'm getting people who just come for like, oh, I want to practice Qigong. So I think coming from uh, my background, originally just personal training and running coach, the people I'm working with tend to be coming for general health and well-being. And then it's a bit like the OA stuff is then they don't come and go, oh, I need to learn how to breathe efficiently and how to how to how to do Qigong. It's like I'm coming because I, I want to feel better. Um, I, I, I resonate with you as a as a as a coach. Um, and then what what I'm saying to them as a coach is these are the tools that you can use to help build resilience, um, improve your immune system. These are the studies. Here's all the studies on OA stuff, 20 years of worth of Patrick studies that we can refer to. Here's the studies on, on Qigong that, that has, has, has really helped people um, increase vitality. And if you combine the two together, so they're not necessarily coming for, to, to do a Qigong class. Uh, I think, again, it's ultimately what, what do people want? And people want to feel better. They want to feel relaxed. They want to be, they want to feel safe with a coach. Uh, they want a little bit more energy. Um, they want to get a little bit fitter. But I think, again, I think the clients I tend to attract, because I, I stay away from all of these quick fixes, as I know, it's just like, I'm not going to say to people, come and running will lose weight or breath work will lose weight. And, and maybe I miss a little trick on that. I I'm, I can't do a five ways to increase your whatever. It just it, it it's not it doesn't feel authentic to me. Um, and and I I I go from the point of view of we 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 can all grow and we can all get to a stage where we thrive and that's what I want. I want people to be thriving in what they're doing. If we're constantly pushing, if we're constantly seeking the next goal. We're never going to get there. We're always going to be disappointed. Mm. Um, so that that's sort of like the that's the way I I sort of like put a way across to people to say that's hopefully what I can help you with. Well, I think it's necessary. It's it's about damn regulation. Society is pushing us enough, yeah. isn't it? You know, and to be able to take some time out away from screens, away from the noise, and give ourselves some attention. And yeah. I think a lot, it comes back to what you were talking about earlier on, that people do have difficulty getting out of their heads. They do have difficulty putting their attention on their breathing. Mm. So you're using the, the combination of movement and the breath to get out of the head. And do you, do you often find throughout your day, like when I first started bringing in breathing on a personal basis, it was tricky enough because the mind has a tendency to wander. My attention span wasn't great at the time. Um, how is that with your journey? Because I'm just thinking you got into chi running and there was a reason for that. It wasn't just about reducing the risk of injury. Uh, There's probably a spiritual component. If you're, and in, when I use the word spiritual, I'm talking about the ability to bring a quietness to the mind. Yeah. That very often in human life, we have a mind that's very, very active and it's kind of weird. We spent 14 years in formal education and we're not taught how to control it. You know, we're not taught how to to be able to step out of thought, to do something with our attention fully immersed on, on what we're doing. How did you get into it, Gray? Was the was the was the quest to help the mind? Was that part of it? It's that's a, another good question because actually no. Mm. So the the from a from the chi running point of view is I loved running at school. I love cross country running. I love being outdoors and stuff. I, I wasn't great at team sports. Then obviously, I say obviously, but through your twenties and thirties, that all goes out the window. And then I just alcohol, to get, alcohol, alcohol, and I used to sense. smoke. And I think, geez, what I used to think what I used to get up to. Who don't? Well, it's culturally it was totally different because you're the same vintage as I am, and that's the way it was. You know, I'm older, I'm much older. I'm really big, next generation to you. I think. Yes, <laughs> no, 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 no. But um. No, so I've, again, it was like 2007, 2008. It's like, Jesus, I've got to get fit. I've got to get back into my fitness. And the the only way I found chi running was because I was really hurting when I was running. And I just found the book 
and from the point of view of it, it, it was the biomechanics that helped me first of all. So it was the things like quick cadence, lengthen up, da 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 da. da. So all the very very basic biomechanics. So, can I, so I didn't. So can I? So I went the completely the other way around. I didn't have a clue what she was, and it was only through sort of like meeting Danny and the, and the people who were teaching chi running. Um, and then getting a little bit more involved in the Qigong uh, and realizing the benefits of that. Uh, and then having uh, the, uh, the I'm, I'm quite happy to say this, but then I think having cancer and having like an, an operation for, for cancer, it was bizarre that at that time the Qigong and the breath were really helped me. And I'm, I'm convinced that's helped me from the recovery point of view. So that's when I wanted to start. That's when I started getting a little bit deeper in involved in that whole sort of like spiritual side of it. But that can be off-putting to some people. So I always will say it's not about, oh, I can feel the energy or anything like that. It's about, first of all, it's movement. Then it's movement with breath. And, and if that's all you get, that's that's a great start. It's ease of movement, ease of breathing. And then if if that sort of like spiritual element comes into play, that's great. Uh, and maybe the, it will, will, maybe it won't. But if you can get people moving with ease, breathing with ease, you, you you're there. That, that that that's basic, basically it. Being efficient with the movement and efficient with their breathing. In a way, it's spiritual anyway. Like, what yeah. is the definition of spirituality? But yeah. being able to bring a quietness to the mind. Yeah. We've, many of us spend, how many weeks we are on this planet? I think it's about 4,000 weeks in total, on average. It's not a whole lot. And many of us will spend a lot of that time stuck in our head. Mm. And when our attention is stuck in our head all the time, we're not getting to see what's all around us. And it's mm. not just about bringing our attention out of the mind and into the body or onto the breath, but it's about changing the physiology. So when you're bringing people's attention out of their mind and into their body, a tremendous and probably the most important byproduct is that you're also bringing quietness to the mind because as long as you're having some of your, your focused attention in the body, you're not going to be thinking so much. I think mm. it's huge. I think it's mm. hugely important. I suppose if somebody was to ask me, what's the biggest thing that we do with oxygen advantage? Yeah. We use 26 different breathing exercises, but ultimately I think the biggest thing is to be able to bring a quietness to the mind so mm. that you can direct your attention to where you want to direct it and to be able to self-regulate. So that's what you're doing. I'm going to come around full circle though. You were getting hurt while you were running. So was it because you were plodding and striking the, the ground too hard or what? why, why do you think? So I think the first, coming back, to running i started off at the gym so i was on a treadmill and i the trainer would give me an hour a mile to run as fast as possible as a warm-up and it's like mm. is that a good idea no <laughs> hope the trainer's not listening at the minute um so oh, like, i hope hey. he is so that you learn something from it <laughs> And it was just like, yeah, it's it's he was he was like, that's fine. It was like, let's do your cardio, let's get you warmed up. But it was just maybe pushing me too much. And and my 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 structure, uh, my 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 musculoskeletal structure wasn't supporting that stress. Um, and that was when I was thinking, right, this the, there must be a way of of being more efficient as you're running. And that's when. It's like, actually, if you listen to how you are breathing, you can't overwork your body because, you know, you'd be overworking your body if you're if you're gassing out or if you're holding your breath. You know that your body's in a state where you are maybe pushing it a little bit beyond where you are comfortable at the minute. So if you're if you're gassing out breathing you're going to injure yourself uh or 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 it's going to be sore at, 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 at least so if you're if, if you're if you're following the breath you're following your effort level your body is not uh, i mean obviously you could fall over something like that so i'm not saying it's injury free because you're following the breath but the breath will guide the movement uh and that's the same with the running and so that's what i found now now in my running i had covid um in march which is the first i thought oh yeah i'm fine i got away with no covid and then in march it just knocked me for six and it was fascinating how one morning after that i'd go out and i was fine 
run. The next morning I'd go out and it's like out of breath. Um, and if I wasn't more aware of the breath guide in the movement, I would have got, oh yeah, I need to push through that. And I know I was knew in like, I need just to back off. So I walk and then the next morning, like, why does it feel so different? That was a real eye opener about how it really does show that first sign of any overload, whether that's musculoskeletal or neurological, you see it in the breath. Uh, and that was a real eye opener. Whereas it's I like- didn't have that awareness when I was just bashing through the the the, the, um, the treadmill. And of course, there's obviously some biomechanical things that help uh, improve your efficiency of movement. That's one thing about nasal breathing when you're running. So a runner will say, well, I can't nasal breathe. It's like, hang on a minute, how efficient are you in your movement? Because you're not, if you're not efficient in your movement, you're going to need more oxygen and to, to actually move. So you first of all, it's not just about the breath. It's about efficiency of movement. If you can become more efficient in your movement, then you're not going to need to breathe uh, as much. There was a just a fascinating study, actually, on it ties in with Qigong. It ties in with what you're saying about taking your mind, uh, taking your, your mind to the body and out of the head. And it was a study on runners about smiling and about actually relaxing their face. Uh, and this, again, is a really simple Qigong sort of like focus. It's called the inner smile. So you relax your face, relax the jaw, and then the breathing naturally slows a little bit. And that, again, is your body telling your mind you're relaxed. And they actually did this study, and I think it's on like 24 runners. They did one group smiling, one group relaxing the upper body, relaxing the arms, and another group grimacing. And actually, the the, the people who were smiling um were more efficient so i think it was something like two percent increase uh, in efficiency and and that was fascinating because that's that's the body telling your mind you can relax so that's another way of getting out of out of your mind is by relaxing well and the, the smiling group got locked more efficient and also they got locked up afterwards for <laughs> <laughs> enjoying themselves too much <laughs> But I've had that. I think I've been. I remember. Doing I can only that. imagine it, Gray, running through the park. You've got twenty-four runners. <laughs> it's powerful. I've done like a group. Well, you know, you do get group nasal walking and nasal yeah. breathing. There's a real power to it. So you you mm. see a group of people walking towards you. They're not talking. They're just breathing through the nose. There's a real strength in that. Um, mm. There's a real power uh, to it. So yeah. You don't probably go on. Attention, it gets attention because nobody is doing it. You know, if you've got a group of people that are talking to each other, um, when you first start off, because a lot of people think about nasal breathing during running or during any movement, it's a little bit tricky at the start, but that's where you have to listen to the body and what to expect. So when you're guiding your runners through that aspect of it, so. I remember doing one, um, it, it was an online session, and I was talking about nasal breathing, da, 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 the benefits of nasal breathing, and one person put their hand up or whatever you do online, and she said, oh, does that mean closing your mouth? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and again, I was thinking, maybe I was making it a little bit, sometimes you can be complicating things by, oh, you need to nasal breathe. So people start going all of these weird trying to breathe in a particular way. And and that really, I always go back to that person who never done any of my sessions before, was new to the session. And it was just like, yeah, just relax the face, (laughs) close the mouth, um, walk, and then take it into an easy run. And this is how I always start people off. Take it into an easy run. This is where obviously a little bit of biomechanics comes into it because an easy run isn't plodding. It's nice, light, quick cadence. Take it into an easy run. And the first thing I want to say to people is the minute you start to notice any any noticeable change in breath, so whether the breath rate is increasing quite a bit or whether the breath volume is increasing quite a bit, that's when you just bring it back into a walk. And then just do that. Just do that. Take your time to do that. So it's not about, right, let's set off, run, and then close my mouth. And again, interestingly, just a a little story on this one is um, I did that with a group of on the instructor training uh, course. 
last I think it's last year or the year before. And we had an Olympic athlete. So it was at Tokyo. Was it Tokyo? The last Olympics, it was Tokyo. And he was the only one who got it. So he was the only one. So he was slowing down before anybody else. So everybody else was running and then they'd go, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. And you could see them because they were going into that. I need to get a little bit further. I need to be a little bit better <laughs> than the next person. But he was really tuning into that. Yeah, my breath rate is increasing a little bit. So if I just pull it back a bit, breath can calm, da 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 da, da and then just ease into it. So really just gently easing into it. So you're doing a really simple warm-up. And then once I've got people comfortable with that, I will do the little breath holds, maybe get them to understand a little bit about the benefits of the the, the, the breath holds. So the more you are comfortable with breathing without breath holds at the very beginning, the more then you explain to them, actually, when you do that little pause for a few steps, you're actually getting more energy. You're squeezing more oxygen from the blood into the tissues. You're getting more CO2 buildup. So you're really doing your 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 cardiovascular training before we then start running so that when they start running after a few little breath holds it's like oh yeah it's a lot easier so it's really doing stuff gently and slowly and powerfully is is that that isn't that isn't weak that isn't oh i can't run fast i have to run slow because i'm just breathing through the nose uh, another little anecdote tell me when to stop because i can talk forever um there was a, a guy who came, my nephew and, and, and his wife came over down for, for dinner and his half-sister brought her boyfriend over for dinner. I'd never met them before. This guy's in his 20s and we were literally at dinner and we were taught he was a really keen runner. And I literally talked to him about cadence, so a nice, light, quick cadence, and talked to him about nasal breathing. That was it. Didn't do any training with him. And it was about a month later, he texted me and he's like, I've just taken 5K, uh, five minutes off my 10, uh, 5K. And he said, that's all I've done is I took on board that idea of breathing through the nose, backing off a little bit and quick cadence. And that, do you know what I mean? We didn't do hours and hours of training. He didn't pay me anything. <laughs> but that was like, and this guy's in his 20s. So he's young. He's quite nice when people like that take things on board and then actually really feel the difference that slowing down to start off with makes you more efficient and then once you've pulled it back a little bit then you can put the power behind it then you can put the speed behind it totally and the other thing is when you first do your physical exercise with your mouth closed there's a stronger air hunger which tells you that there's a buildup of carbon dioxide in the blood but the more you expose yourself to the increased co2 you reduce the body's sensitivity towards carbon dioxide and carbon dioxide is the driver to breathe. So your, your breathing during physical exercise reduces. So in other words, you train your body to do more with less. Mm. Um, one person who I was thinking about is Dr. William Hang, and he's an orthodontist. I met him in California. It's going back quite a while. And he just did the Boston City Martin, and he did it about three months ago, whenever it was on. And then the Times wrote an article on it. And at one of the stages, well, he had his mouth taped for the entire Martin. And I, I'm not sure what age he is, but he's into his 70s. So, you know, when we think about people might be aghast thinking, well, how on earth could I do nasal breathing? Well, look, look, at, look at William Hang yeah. being able to do the, the full 26 miles with his mouth closed. Um, yeah. What do you find anyway, when you do your physical exercise, if you were to compare the old you to, to, to the new you, what, what are the benefits? What do you think? Um, it, it's a difficult one because, again, I've been lucky in coming from doing no physical exercise to actually then going, oh, I want to be a running coach and do my personal training. And then very early on working with someone who has made me very aware of breathing. Mm. So uh, I'm, I'm not someone who's had a big aha, aha moment and like, oh, wow, this is wonderful. Um, I've changed from this to this. Um, so I haven't really experienced that major shift. I just remember that first time um, struggling on the treadmill. I do remember maybe 
running marathons but it's interesting even when I was running marathon back in 2010 I'm looking at pictures and I'm my face is relaxed my mouth is generally uh closed um so I don't think um I'm not saying I'm wonderful all the time do you know what I mean and I'm certainly not and there's certainly mm. I'm learning all of the time but I, I don't really have a big comparison personally but what I do see is the comparison in 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 clients, uh, and this is where I'm noticing it. Is you see you see people who just go, "Oh my God, that that's something so simple has made such a difference." Um, so that's that's where I where where I see the the the, the changes. Um, interesting. Just going back to that running a marathon with mouth tape. Interesting one because hydration how did he hydrate himself so you were, you would have needed hopefully to just get some hydration in <laughs> during that as well. There's a few articles that are written online, and there was a book of them just to show people. I think this is going to get more, much more attention because it comes back to you said that you did your personal training. There's plenty of strength and conditioning coaches, and they've never been, they've never received any instruction. Really. Uh, this one here is Michael Flannel, he's a professor, and it's the Department of Management. The title of the article. The athlete's secret ingredient, the power of nasal breathing. It kind of says it all. It's a review article, and he'll go through all of the different things that the nose does. Observing Roger Federer ranked, or age 37, ranked number three in men's singles in 2018, and shows Federer, Federer's mouth is almost always closed during competitions. On the other hand, Naomi Osaka, winner of the US Open, frequently appeared to be mouth-breathing during play between sets and during the award ceremony. However, will her stamina hold up over time? So it's it's interesting, isn't it, that, okay, this is a 2019 article, and I'll pull up some of the work of George Dallam as well, that the scientists and the people who do write the articles are getting a little bit more interested in it. Mm. It's, it's, taken a, it's taken a long time, though, hasn't it? It's definitely taken a long time. And I think one point that is often missed is um, when we just talk about nasal breathing and mouth breathing is like there's a difference between gassing out mouth breathing as opposed to just sort of like that quick mm, cleansing mm -mm. and clearing. And this is one thing that a lot of clients, again, will say is like, oh, I can't open my mouth. And it's like, actually, when you do get to that point where there is a buildup of CO2, use it either as a strength training to build your resilience to CO2, or if you're in competition, like you always say that people often miss, it's like, breathe out through the mouth. Mm. Um, so there's, there is a difference between um, mouth breathing in just, and this is why I think the Qigong is so nice. Is it's like it's cleansing and clearing. It's clearing out. And also nasal breathing is like if you're pulling as much yeah. air as possible through the nose, it's like, hang on a yeah. minute. So that's, again, I think that's something that often when we're looking at these studies and it talks about mouth breathing and nasal breathing, it's like, how are they comparing, comparing it? And it's always like photographs as well. I think that's not a great thing is when somebody says, oh, look, look, he's got his mouth open. And it could be like, like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, or, oh, look, he's a terrible runner. He's, he's going to heel strike. And then at the next point, he would have landed on the ball of the foot. So we've, we've got to be, as a coach, I'm really careful not to be judgmental from, from that point of view and really highlight the nuances of an, an efficient nasal breathing. But as, as yes. you say that, important element of like it's just slow down a bit so that you have the key word when there was stamina and endurance wasn't it it's like you want to be able to to keep going and not not gas out yeah no it's a good point it's it's not that we're advocating uh nasal breathing to the point that we go blue yeah um, but it's <laughs> it's it's about gently using the nose breathing through the nose to add an extra load onto breathing to cause the body to make those adaptations mm. So I'm just going to put up another paper as well, because sometimes I think it's important for, this is a very interesting article here. It was published in about a year ago, just over a year. Brett Tools, a synthesis of evidence-based breathing strategies to enhance human running. It's quite a scientific article. Uh, they do cover, of course, respiration. They cover nose breathing, respiratory muscle strength, et cetera. Uh, respiration is a limiting factor. What can you do? Because it's, 
breathlessness, that sensation of breathlessness is often the limiting factor in sports, but yet mm. uh, people often think, well, it's due to poor conditioning, but we it can be due to dysfunctional breathing patterns. And I'm going to just pull up another couple of papers here. This is George Dallam, who's done a little bit of research, which is great to see the scientists getting on board, because of course, that's what we want. The effect of nasal versus oral breathing on VO2 max and physiological can Let's look at this for a moment. Oh, it's brought me through today. Can you see that now? Yeah, I can I yeah. can see that, yeah. So basically this table here is interesting enough. Oh, I can't yeah. see a table. I can just see the the, the oh, okay. Title. So yeah, so it changed. So I'm gonna jump back out of there and I'm gonna go into the PDF. And I'll just scroll back on this. So down to this table. Oh, that's it. Yeah, I can see that now. So they got 10 recreational athletes. They had them breathe through their nose exclusively for six months, and then they tested them, nasal breathing versus mouth breathing during a graded exercise test. And they found that with nose breathing, they did wear a nasal dilator, which is fair enough. It helps open up the airways, Mm. especially if somebody has a compromised nasal airway. That with nasal breathing, they were able to achieve 100% of the work rate intensity as with mouth breathing, but they had 22% less ventilation. So you spoke earlier on about the biomechanics. And if you've got good movement from a biomechanical point of view, you're going to save energy. Mm. This also, if we have good breathing, we're going to save energy because it takes quite a bit of oxygen to support the breathing muscles. And even as we're sitting here, maybe about 2 to 3% of the oxygen that we take in is supporting the breathing muscles. But the the more we work our breathing muscles, the more oxygen that needs to support them. And if we have poor breathing patterns, that, of course, increases, increases, increases. And during high intensity or maximum exercise, it could be as high as 15%. But if somebody has dysfunctional breathing, it could be 20%, it could be 25%. So it's something to be thinking about, you know, breathing. Um, What can we do? And when you think about breathing per se, you're talking about the biomechanics, the biochemistry, the, the pace of breathing. And... The other aspect then is in terms of the biomechanics is both the strength and uh, the function of the diaphragm. How much time do you normally kind of break it down? Because people might feel, oh my God, it's so complex. Again, it depends on client, depends on what the program is. But one of the things I focus on when I, when I, when I start off with biomechanics, um, I'm, I don't necessarily start with the diaphragm. Mm. Um, and I start with the spine because actually, again, the, if you think where the rib cage is attached, it's attached to the spine. So actually, if, if we're in this position, because we're at computer a lot of the time, then you can have the you can feel the diaphragm, you can most probably breathe light and slow, but you're you you you're restricted here. So also you can be in this position here, the diaphragm's in the wrong place. So actually for me again, goes back to what I learned from Danny in Qi running and the whole Qigong. It's about that lengthening from the crown because that that lifts the spine, which puts you in the right place to start off with because it's all well and good to talk about the diaphragm. It's not very easy to feel the diaphragm. It's not like, as you know, it's not like if I go like that, I can feel what it feels like to lift a weight. I know what that feels like on my muscles. You can't, can you feel the diaphragm? Not really. But getting the diaphragm in the right place is my starting point. Uh, so whether that's sitting, whether that's standing, bamboo in the wind, straight away, let your body find its natural spot. Spine lengthens, diaphragm sits in the right place. Oh, no, yeah, I can I can feel that, that movement. And then when I'm talking about true deep breath, a lot of people, when we talk about deep breath, everybody goes... And I remember I remember one of the first instructor trainings we did, and it was like, actually, it's not about volume. It's about where you feel it. So I will I will actually not focus on the diaphragm. I'll come a little bit below the belly button and go, actually, can you feel in your lower abdomen as you breathe? How does that area respond? Uh, And then if they can breathe through deep breath, they go, ah, yeah, I don't have to breathe a big breath. Uh, and then it's like, well, there's the diaphragm. 
there's the pelvic floor. So again, it's all about experiential first. Feel the, the, the ribs in the right place. Feel the spine in the right place. And then I'll get them to feel their diaphragm. Breathing into the back is a massive, uh, massive thing that a lot of people come back. I never even thought I could breathe into the back. So then getting the back uh, uh, moving, getting a little bit of movement in the back. Because if if there's no flexibility, if there's no movement here in the rib cage, if we can't rotate and we can't get the spine in the right place, it's like the diaphragm's not going to work as efficiently as it can be. So it's setting up the structure structure first. And also biomechanics about how do I land on the ground? Because that, of course, will affect your breathing. That's why it's important. Like for, for running, it's going to feel very different when you're running to if you're lying on the floor. Uh, and breathing so biomechanic whole body that's so cool well i'm just conscious of time and yeah. uh where where do you think it's all going breathing it's i think people um hopefully people are realizing that it's not exercise i think exercise is changing there's a, there's a brilliant book by Dan Lieberman about called Exercised, um, where he's talking about actually it's about movement and it's about how we live our everyday lives. And he looks at the Taramahara tribe and it's like they don't go training for their ultra marathon. Um, and I think a lot of exercise in, in, in the Western world is still set in the 80s, like we're doing our cardio or uh, all of that. And, and, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong in that, but I think. A movement forward. So certainly what I see is my sort of like my mission or how I want to help people is to realize that you don't have to kill yourself to actually feel good. And as you say, move with ease, breathe with ease, be confident in, in how you are feeling, how you're moving, how you're relating to people. It, it, it's it's that is for me what is key about how how you thrive rather than how you survive. Um, and and how you just feel comfortable in what you're doing. And if you can't do something, oh, I, I didn't do my breath work this morning. Oh, no, I failed. That's not going to work because it's just going to put people off doing mm. their breath work. And I know we've had this conversation about breath work. Is is that the right word to use? I don't like it. People don't like the word. And <laughs> oh. Breath training. And I even like training, training yeah. you know yeah, what I mean? It's, it's like breath training. Yeah, yeah. You're doing, you have to do something. But of course, we have to train and we have to learn a skill. But again, that's why cultivating energy is such a nice way of putting it. How can I cultivate energy uh, and enjoy what, what I'm doing? Um, I had one client in the morning is like, um, oh, I was putting up a blind and I had to drill into um, like a metal lintel to put his blind up in the kitchen. And he was like, I was focusing on using the energy I need to use, but not over tensing and breathing easy. And for me, that is like, that's worked. If somebody's putting a blind up, they're doing their breath work. Um, and, and that, that I think, is hopefully um, where it's going to. I think people are coming back to that, back to basics, back to simple, simple stuff, hopefully. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, people, if they want to hear more about you, Gray. Uh, yeah, adventures. The the website is adventuresinmovement.com. And I do the OA Oxygen Advantage Instructor Training. We do a retreat. I do a retreat with Andrew Ritchie in Scotland, and we do the instructor training. Uh, and then they get, of course, they get you, which is fantastic. So all, all of the work that the online stuff that you do is always the core of, of any instructor training that we do. We also do retreats. I do running in the Costa Brava, which is nice, which we do Qigong. We focus a little bit on breath work, but that's more very much an experiential retreat. So that that's sort of like the basics of what I do. Do daily cl uh, morning classes as well in Qigong and breath work. So lots going on. And do you have Instagram? Yeah, Grey Cause. I, I haven't been on. I've had a little bit of an Instagram social media break because I think you scroll through and it's like that. Oh, it's, so <laughs> oh, it's absolutely. Yeah. I'm not a fan, even though we have it ourselves and we, we use it to get out our message, but, and that's anybody listening. How easy have the big tech joints. They've really got a grip of us. Haven't they? Yeah. When you think of 
13 and 14 year old kids and all they're doing is just scrolling, scrolling, yeah. scrolling, aimlessly looking into a screen. Anyway, it's another conversation. That's, an, that's another podcast. <laughs> but yeah, I think with, with Instagram and with social media, I just I, I aim to be when I'm on there, just authentic and be there for a reason and give yeah. somebody a, a reason rather than just going, oh, look at me doing breathwork. Um, so, yeah, but um, Instagram, great cause. Good stuff. All right, great. Thank you very much. Thank you, Patrick. Have a good rest of your day. Thank you for listening to the Oxygen Advantage podcast. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and maybe take the time to leave us a review. The Oxygen Advantage podcast is available from all your podcast providers.